Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 81 of the Distraction Pieces podcast and today I'm joined by Jason Reed. and some of you might not know that name but that's fine. Um, you're going to love this podcast, take my word on that. Um, Jason is a wonderful guy, he's a writer and a blogger and a journalist. I was going to say how we came about doing this podcast but I discussed that in the in the intro so I won't do that but he contacted me just to talk about some other stuff and I was like dude this is interesting like we should be having this discussion on the podcast and he was really kind of humble and like I, I I'm not trying to strong arm my way in or shoehorn my way in but I was like well no this is this is great and it turned out it was a great podcast and it was a great discussion um I need to get the the professional bits out of the way before I get too excited. But but yeah, you're going to enjoy this. SpeechDevelopmentRecords.com. Go there for stuff. That's my label. You see, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm losing my my passion to try and, and, and sell your stuff now. I'm just appreciative that you guys are here and you listen every week and you spread the word. That is enough for me, man. That is enough for me. Until I've got some more stuff I need to shift, then then you better buy that shit. Um, I told you last week, didn't I? I've just remembered that 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 I was going to cover my or talk through my films of 2015. So let's do a bit of that. Um, I told on the on the Ask Pip one, I gave my top three, and I gave Tangerine, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and Super Bob, and I loved all of them. And I'm very aware that may make me look like a pretentious dick because they're all kind of independent and cool. Also in my top 16, which I posted, was Jurassic World, which was fucking awesome. And Avengers Age of Ultron, which was awesome. And Mad Max, which was awesome. They were huge and awesome. And you know, what else is in my films of the year? Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation. I loved it. It was a big blockbuster, but I absolutely loved it. Ant-Man, have I said Ant-Man? Ant-Man was in there, loved it. Tom Hardy, he, he may be the only person who, who doubled up in it. I've not really paid attention, but a, a legend I thought was great. A few people were like, oh, the, the performance overshadowed the story. I disagree. I thought it was great. I only thought about the performance twice. And if a performance is too good for a film, then that's a good problem to have. The Diary of a Teenage Girl. Now, this was some mad shit. It's really good. Um, a beautiful film. It's really odd. It reminded, what did it remind me of? Kind of... I guess it kind of has a bit of a feel of... Can't compare it to anything, man. It was really good, though. It's a really interesting film. It touches on some very delicate subjects and touchy subjects. It's about a young girl kind of finding her sexuality, which is a, sh- a shady area to discuss for even me to, to start speaking about. But yeah, a really good film. Birdman was in there because I saw that at the beginning of the year. But Black Mass, I thought that was great. I was torn between Black Mass and Sicario, I think. I was kind of drifting between them two. I thought, I thought they're both really good, though. The Gift, I absolutely adored The Gift. The Gift was wonderful. That that may have been my, my biggest surprise of the year. I went to that thinking, yeah, I'll give it a look. And it blew me away. All the other ones, like things like Tangerine and Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, I had really hyped up in my mind. So I was ready for them to be as awesome as they were. But The Gift, I was like... I often go to the cinema because that is a meal choice. I, I love the cinema and I love hot dogs and ice cream. And people will then go, oh, but, you know, you should be a fat prick. But I don't do it all the time and I exercise an awful lot every day. I've got a little gym in my house now. So that's how, you know, I, I put in the effort. I'm not just being a slob, I promise. Um, but The Gift was great. 
what we do in the shadows god damn that made me happy that could be some of my happiest moments of the year genuinely um the last year was a tough year at numerous points for numerous reasons which i ain't going to go into and that was one of the films that just was a shining light it absolutely slayed me hilarious and then the last two in my top 16 i think i've said them all straight out of compton i thought it was the bollocks i thought it was great everything about it it reminded you how important nwa were and you know being a voice of that community at that time was so important and then dope and, and Strata, Compton and Dope are both out on DVD now, as is what we do in The Shadows, Jurassic Most of these are out on DVD now. Super Bob, I recommend you get them all. But Dope was awesome because really good independent film. Um, the music was amazing. The styling was amazing. The story, the characters, I loved everything about that. So check all of them out. If you, if you've, if you can only afford to buy a a few i'm gonna i'm gonna look at the most independent ones which it, it will mean the most that they get their sales super bob obviously the dope are what we do in the shadows girl walks home alone at night and tangerine and they're probably i've listed i feel like uh, such a hipster because they're the ones that probably will appreciate your sales whether it be f- physical or digital the most but they were probably my favorites as well so yeah that's some films for you to look at um Speaking of films, Jason Reed was associate producer on a wonderful film called The Culture High that's on Netflix right now. And in this episode, we talk a lot about that and we talk about a few other things he recommends as well. And we talk about drug law in general. So enjoy it. I'll be back at the end to talk at you a bit more. And we're rolling. Um, I'm joined by Jason Reed today. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Thank you very much for having me on. It's, it's a genuine honour. Yeah, or thank you for uh, for allowing it. I'll kind of explain a little bit of how it happened. You emailed me um, about, I think you'd been listening to the Dr. Susie Gage episode. Yeah. Um, and you, I mean, we'll get into all of this, but you were executive a producer um, or associate producer on on the culture hire which is a, a documentary um about the legal battles of cannabis essentially um and it's on netflix and it's great and you were also talking to me about another group you 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 um are kind of ahead of and work with elite uk and the actions and activity that you're about to launch in the house of commons and you genuinely i want to make it cl- clear to people now you weren't in any way trying to angle your way onto the podcast you were kind of inviting me to be involved in something and I was instantly like well let's let's sit down and talk about it and have a chat so that's kind of how we've ended up here here today this is the thing I I never for one moment think my name carries any kind of clout that I can get on something as big and prestigious as this because I mean someone that knows you've had to be fantastic Russell Brand, yeah. Peg, Nick Frost, and then I listened to Susie Gage, who I follow on Twitter and I admire very much. And that's when I emailed you saying, "Well, if, if you enjoyed that conversation, you have a watch of the film." And yeah. So self promoting in that sense, going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on Netflix, have a look. And then, and then we just got chatting, and then I realised that you had, you know, some interest and knowledge in this subject. Yeah. And then we just thought, let's go for it. It's, it's a fascinating s- s- subject because um, 
from listening and I just had the end of year podcast and in that I rave about the Dr. Carl Hart um, interviews on the on the Joe Rogan experience and it's a fascinating s- subject because as with the documentary as well the more you learn about all drugs the more it seems bizarre that they're illegal and even just having like, like Howard Marks on who is obviously going to be pro-drugs but just his his perspective it still at certain points that made me go yeah it's kind of ridiculous that there's something that is is a human choice yet we um we are told that we can't do it or or, or worse than that we're imprisoned and particularly in america but in the uk as well imprisoned in huge n- numbers for choosing to take that route and it's weird because i don't do any drugs anymore i've done plenty in the past but they're just not for me yet as a non-drug user i'm hugely pro the legalization of of, of drugs and I, I think if they were legal it wouldn't I wouldn't use them any more or less because, to be blunt, I used them when they weren't illegal or when they weren't illegal, sorry. So, you know, it wouldn't make that difference. But let's kind of focus at the start on on the working on um, on, on the culture high. Um, it's a documentary on, 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 on Netflix. Instantly, as I was watching it, it jumped out. Um, that, as I've mentioned there, Joe Rogan is, in, is, is, is interviewed in it and Brian Redban um, and previous guests of the podcast in rufus hound and howard mark so i was instantly like there's people i've met and that i think are clever and in- intelligent so so how was it how did did you come into it and what was kind of the starting point and then your kind of journey in 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 helping it it come together and you were in it as well obviously i, I, yes, I spotted you I pop up as well brett put me in it brett uh, harvey the director said yeah you definitely gotta be in this as well because it's he was interested in my story, and that's what the, the culture is about. It's about telling people's individual stories yeah. through the narrative of what happens in cannabis prohibition and, and the broader war on drugs. Yeah, it all started, and my, my journey started within activism in quotation marks because of the first film, which was called "The Union: The Business Behind Getting High," right? Which you can find online, and it's on Netflix in Canada, I think, still. Um, and it was it was a cult classic. It instantly became this hit on the internet yeah. and then from there I reached out to Adam Scorgi who's now a very close friend uh, who is the executive producer and he's done quite a few other films like I Am Bruce Lee and yeah. um, some brilliant work that he's done yeah amazing and we just got chatting and connecting and we realised that there was a big neglected market and story to be told in the UK because we had the whole Professor Nut debacle that happened in I mean that was a, f- a fascinating thing again and, and and we'll get on to the media side of things as well but the way he was portrayed as a loon mm. as such i mean it, it doesn't help that your name is professor nut Perfect. that's kind of an easy yeah. easy target but for those who don't know my brief i've not even researched or refreshed my memory and it, it came up, up up in the documentary but a professor nut was he, he was a government doctor and professor tasked with looking into the, the actual risks and dangers and effects of recreational drugs, specifically marijuana, and his findings weren't really to the government's liking because he kind of spoke publicly saying, right, yeah, it's got a lot of benefits and it's not the drug that we paint it to be. And he was subsequently sacked from his, his position, which was an interesting one because part of it, they said, was... We've not sacked him because of the results he's found. We've sacked. We've had to let him go because he's speaking publicly against laws that are in place, which is a weird one because it's like, well, you, what was the point 
Certainly. In the in in what you tasked him to uh, to do, and other than we want you to prove what we want to tell people, if you know what I mean. Exactly, and, and that's the ridiculous nature of it. We're, we're fighting two battles. We're fighting the political one. Mm. And what goes on in the media, and yeah. they and they do coordinate and tally up, but they just they're not conducive to a good outcome. No. And what happened with Professor Nutt? He was the the head of the ACMD, which is the advisory council. The government asked the advisory council to look at certain drugs, and then they do. And that quite often it's specific terms. It's very very niche, linear lines in which they can and can't go out of. Yeah. And Professor Nutt answered on the terms along with the whole committee of what they were asked, which was look at the essential harms of each drug come up with a harm criteria and they did and the harm criteria didn't tally up with what the government wanted the position to be yeah so gordon brown who was the president uh, president <laughs> might as well be, yeah, yeah was the prime minister at the time uh he was the one that was stipulating that we need a certain result so that we can justify the reclassification of cannabis upwards to yeah. harsh punishments yeah and of course, the ACMD said, "Well, actually, we can't justify that. It, it's it's actually one of the, the least harmful drugs that we got. So therefore, let's maybe just keep where it is, or even you know, possibly have lesser penalties." Mm. Gordon Brown didn't like it. Ill came out in the tabloids for the Daily Mail, and Anna Johnson was eventually the one that ended up sacking Professor Nutt. Yeah. And of course, in in many ways, and as I think it even says so in the film, it did quite a lot of favours towards the position of drug law reform because at that point you could actually pin the tail on the donkey yeah. that that was the point we hit a farce. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That is, that it, was that, ri- that was, it was, it was ri- ridiculous that the government on off their own back were presented with proof that they've paid for these tests and they've gone, right, no, ignore that then. Mm. You know, rather than going, all oh, right, well, here's, here's the findings. Exactly. And then would you go from there? Do you either base a policy on a lie mm. or do you try and backtrack and do something that isn't going to necessarily look good in the media because you are then going against what you initially projected yeah. in, in the government so it just we did we hit this absolute point of farce which meant that we could have this conversation that we're having now because without that there still could be that that shrouded mystery of what drug harms are and you know cannabis is very bad and of course no drug is, is without harms and, mm-hmm. we, and we do have to stipulate that point that if you are trying any drug, whether it's alcohol, whether it's over-the-counter medication, always be aware of the risks. I mean, completely. And one of the things that comes up a lot in, in, in the documentary is talking in detail on the ridiculousness of the war on drugs. I, I can't remember if it was on a podcast or on a stand-up set or what. I've heard at different points when someone's saying, no one in the world wants a drug-free America or a drug-free England, which is what people will talk about and campaign. It's like... You don't want that because so many people are, will die because drugs are used in hospitals constantly and 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 when we're ill and even in as as obviously one of the it feels lazy or easy but it's because it's true one of the easiest ones to go on is is alcohol that we all all all, all love alcohol when from a physical point of view and a social point of view it's one of the most damaging drugs there are out there so. It's this ridiculous nature of this war on drugs when drugs, you, what you mean is a war on illegal drugs. And the thing that I found interesting from talking to, to Dr. Susie Gage and hearing some of the tests that were done using, for example, MDMA in for people with PTSD in, in therapy sessions and things like that. As soon as I heard that, like having done pills and whatever else in the past, as soon as I heard that, it was like, that's so logical. That's like so, 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 so obvious. I make so much sense. Yet, 
we will struggle to think of solutions like that or uses like that because we have this stigma of illegal drugs and non-illegal drugs. So a cannabis, for example, that it's only in very recent years that we're seeing more and more tests and people speaking of the genuine positive effects for a, a, a medical use of cannabis that's only really recent and a lot of that i think comes down to reform in drug policy in different countries even in america and in in places like portugal obviously there's a lot of different things going on which it's 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 terrible that things that could be a genuine benefit and have a positive effect aren't looked at or aren't used because they're under our illegal banner and this is the tragedy that if you address each drug individually so the top end uh, opiates yeah we've we've got a, a global crisis on people receiving essential medicines for pain relief yeah the west is fairly comfortable you know, you know our supply chains our pharmaceutical industries make sure that the west is taken care of but yeah. elsewhere in the world if you if you're suffering from cancer and you need morphine opiates chances are you're not going to get them yeah. if you look at mdma as you said there's a lot of research now being done on therapies with especially post-traumatic stress disorder yeah and other things like that were being so restricted. And, and again, Professor Nutt's a good one to speak to on this because he's very much involved in the funding sector of trying to get that so we can get advances made. And the restrictions that go with that are just fundamental. And yeah. then you go down again to, to cannabis, and it's an area that I personally have a lot of dealings with, with both in testimony and people that I know. And the amount of people that use cannabis for various different conditions such as MSME, Crohn's, mm-hmm. uh, with hugely positive effects and also the harm reduction factor because if, you aren't, if you've got a long-term disease or an illness, the chances are you are on antidepressants, muscle relaxants, sleeping tablets, pain relief and with that comes a, a whole other chapter of, of side effects. Yeah, 100%. So with, with cannabis use, you can potentially taper all of that down to just a few tablets or no tablets at all in some cases and it's so that harm reduction factor your organs are not getting the, the bashing that will come with some of the other conventional. And again, I'm not going to be sitting here going, try cannabis instead of conventional medicine because you have to make a very, very considered choice on this and do yeah. all the research, consult with physicians and doctors. But at the same time, there is this conversation that's taking place that we're just getting to grips with now in the UK. Yeah. It's taken a while and the US has led it and the medical marijuana movements have been both helpful and they've had some detrimental effects, which we'll possibly talk about. And it's such a tragedy that people are genuinely suffering, not just through criminal punishments, through yeah. the, you know, quotation marks, illegal drugs, but also the the barriers that are being put there to people that could receive help. Completely. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's definitely a twofold um, tragedy, and that doesn't seem like too great a word. Just, I mean, on one side, you have exactly, as, as we've just discussed, the, the people who could be helped medically. And, and with most illnesses, when you're using chemical drugs there's such a trial and error to find out which ones are going to work which ones are going to have a positive effect and often you'll have to be on a drug that's doing you either mental or physical harm for a certain amount of time to find out if it's going to go that route whereas i'm not saying that again i'm i i I stopped smoking weed personally it's not it's not for me so so i'm not saying it's this this super drug but it's kind of this super drug because there is elements where it will just it will it will help a lot of different things or at least ease a lot of different things where you would otherwise be taking potentially harmful drugs that could have a negative effect on you in in that situation. And this is where there's a, a chapter in the culture high that has been that's gone viral. It's had 25 million hits now wow. online, and it's it's a clip of Jaden, 
um, which is the little boy that's got Javette syndrome. Yes, yes. And he completely embodies the position of medical cannabis uh, and what it yeah. can do. And not necessarily in you know individual cases, but again, just in the, the conceptual picture of what suffering looks like. Jaden absolutely encompasses it. And and and, and to really just 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 paraphrase his story because it I, it can't be done justice here. I recommend you watch. I said the culture highs on Netflix in the UK and the US and all over the place. Um, but he's a young kid who was on conventional medicine for a long time and wasn't getting any better and wasn't having any improvements. And then I assume it was when some of the changes went through to allow medical marijuana to be an option, the change was huge. And it's not a complete cure straight away, but there's a beautiful part where his dad's talking about how he's spoken to um, his son originally on 25 pills or whatever and now you know he's down to a few and he's 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 getting to meet his son properly after all this time because he's not the son that's on all this medication to a point that you can't kind of exist so yeah exactly it's amazing and by the way if you hear any noise it's gerbils over there she's not, yeah you need me to move them sure. yeah no it's absolutely yeah. fine i did hear it and get <laughs> a momentarily distracted because i thought someone was coming in the door and then i was like no it's just gerbils that's and fine they're they're, they're quite attention seekers because this one was on the culture high at some point oh really yeah bless him celebrity well <laughs> but, we'll do a separate podcast yeah, with yeah. Oh, God, you need to do it <laughs> and actually lester's named after lester grinspoon who's in the film yeah uh, and i think lester grinspoon comes out my favorite quote pretty much of all the drug war which mm-hmm. you, you can live in a free society or a drug-free society but you can't have both yeah and it's true most people especially in middle england that they rest on their laurels that the drug laws are doing what they're supposed to do yeah and they absolutely don't they perpetuate harm they do more harm than good and they certainly aren't protecting the youngsters and their children like they think they are yeah and as soon as middle england grasps this i think you'll get movement it you need that select select voting demographic that aren't interested that believe in a pious uh, belief system that what we are doing is correct as soon as they realize that actually that their children are the ones in the harm's way the most yeah. through whether it be dealers on the on the street corners which we could pretty much eradicate or whether it be the harms that go with the current drug market that they probably are dabbling in because most kids do yeah there is no good way that these drug laws are protecting their children and through control and regulation as soon as middle england grasp that that is the way that we can actually inject some proper harm reduction techniques and some just across the board um, harm eradication through criminal penalties as well. Because again, yeah. if, if a child, if they're just dabbling and they're caught with a small amount of drugs, if they get a criminal record, that's their future pretty much. Again, there's some huge stories in the film of people who have their lives torn apart because of the yeah. stupidest small charges and small and small things. And it's, it's right. Um, in the UK and America, drugs being illegal doesn't make drugs not available yes drug particularly cannabis and particularly i mean and cocaine and numerous other things they're very much available but all the more dangerous and a bit they touch upon that that jumped out at me is in america particularly the mexican cartel and the the huge amount of death and crime and corruption that goes on and something like it was it was something like sixty or seventy percent of their profit is from is from cannabis. So if they say if we suddenly went, no, it's legal now, then that's that that's a huge chunk of their of their industry torn apart. And similarly with a, a, a drugs in this country, if you could n- number w- one, it brings the price of everything down, which seems like a silly thing to highlight. But the fact is, 
the price of drugs is based number one on the drugs and number two on the risk that is taken by, by someone getting the drugs here, providing it for you and so on and so forth. And that's why drugs will also become worse quality because you'll need to be able to to cut them or whatever else to make more money because of the risk that you're going to. If they were legal, that's all out the window. It's, it's a governed and a monitored thing. You get extremes. You either get complete purity or you get no purity. There yeah. is no middle ground of... And again, when I say complete purity, that sounds almost like a misnomer. But what I mean is, is that if you're taking a drug, you need to know what it is yeah. to know how to titrate. Yeah. And without that, of course, you're going into it completely blind. So if yeah. you're getting something that you believe is uh, MDMA, and then it turns out to be PMA or something else that's um, of a higher purity, that's 100% pure, then the chances are that you're going to be overdosing and you don't even know it. Yeah. In which case, you're incurring risks. And the same down the other end of the scale if you're using heroin, and the chances are it is going to be completely watered down and with brick dust and all sorts yeah. of horrible impurities, then again, you're getting pretty much no heroin for your money. So you get those extreme measures. And with regulation, you can do price fixing, just like you do any other market out there. Mm-hmm. With strict government control, you can do, right, we're going to charge X amount for this drug, X amount for this drug. And then you can set appropriate criteria and parameters depending on what individual drugs there are and what purities are out there, obviously, It'll be controlled, so it'll be good purity. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very simple thing, you know, it, it takes no logic. And, uh, and again, it's that simple th- th- thing of you, you can then decide what is going into it and what yeah. is allowed to go into it. The same with c- cigarettes, the same with alcohol, the same with all these things. You can't, although they are allowed to put some awful, awful sh- sh- shit in these things, it's still there's some kind of monitoring and, and here's the rules, here's what you have to, to live by. Exactly. And then we touch upon Mexico. I mean, in Mexico right now, it is a literal drug war. At least with the West, we, we, it is conceptual. I mean, we always say it isn't a war on drugs because you can't have a war on a noun. It's mm. a war on people. And it is yeah. what we are. We're, we're dealing with... We think that we're protecting the public through harsh punishments. And, of course, we're not. We're not in locking up drugs. We're not throwing the key away after drugs. We're actually locking up people, giving people criminal records. And as soon as we put the focus on the people the average person starts to understand. And in yeah. Mexico, the the, um, the life expectancy has been dented by the drug war. This is yeah. now showing up in facts and figures and stats that we know that the drug war is having such a raging effect out there that life expectancy is a lot lower. Yeah, and, uh, um, uh, and that was, was some of the stuff that stunned me. It was also a statistic of something like, if you if you murder someone in Mexico, there's a five percent chance of going to prison for it exactly. because of the amount of murders that have come from the cartel wars and from all this kind of thing that aren't solved and that are just uh, are left alone. It's brought that percentage down to that. That's absolutely insane. It, and it's in one sense it's laughable because it's not. It's because it's so tragic. Yeah. But we've we've reached a, such a degree now where all the evidence is in favour of reform. Yeah. yeah. I, it, objectively there's not much out there saying no we, we should keep the status quo and we should let things go further it just it just mm-hmm. doesn't exist but we're still not moving especially yeah. in this country they are moving in america they're moving in canada they're moving in obviously a lot of latin american countries but the uk we're not we're completely anchored to a belief it, system it seems crazy that um, america has had the realization before us because they seem like the real one that was just again if you look the history of their 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 prison system and criminal system there's so much just mm. dr- Something. I mean, I'm making this figure up now, but it's a high percentage of people that are in prison on drug charges rather than any other kind of charge. It's, so it's the most uh, in America. It's the most jailing country in the world. Yeah, they have the more 
prisoners per population in any other country. Which is, and again, they've got a privatised prison system largely, which is creeping over here. We're getting it as well. And there's yeah. a bit in the culture high that, um, I mean, everybody focuses on the Jaden bit, and rightly so, because it's genuinely touching. Yeah. And, and again, I've got a personal link with that yeah. as well. But the bit that always catches me and it isn't as obvious is there's a clip of a lady outside a courtroom shouting at a judge, screaming yes. at him. And this is the judge that did the infamous uh, Kids for Cash, yeah. where he was jailing kids because he was getting kickbacks. Yeah. And when you've got a system that even remotely allows for that, you know, yeah. there, there should be no dimension in, in, in this, in this uh, criminal justice system where that can even be a possibility. Yeah, and yet it was going insane. on, and he made millions. Yeah. And that, that lady that's, that's screaming at the judge because her son was involved in that who eventually committed suicide because of the impact that had. Yeah. And again, that was all done through drug charges because of the, uh, it's the low-hanging fruit. And yeah. that's the bit that gets me. That's the bit that every time I hear that, my, the bit of my soul gets crushed. Yeah, again, and it's, it's, it's the fact that most of the people locked up or a high percentage of the people locked up are the people doing a small amount rather than they're not busting the cartel bosses every week or the, or, or whoever else because they're the easy ones to stop. And it's a bizarre one because when you sit down and think about it, why is it illegal? Like, literally, why, that sounds like the simplest of questions, but most people won't contemplate that, which is the scary part, particularly in this country. It just is. Yeah. But why is it illegal? And I thought about that a lot, and it's bizarre that there isn't a solid answer. It's something that individuals are choosing to do themselves so you could say it's illegal because it's, it's dangerous i mean as as the film points out mountain climbing is dangerous skydiving is dangerous riding a bike around london is very dangerous, very dangerous. and all, in fact i'd also add that all of these things have more deaths per year than um, marijuana use yeah. so because marijuana use has zero deaths per year because no one as yet has overdosed on marijuana whereas people have overdosed on alcohol and so on and so forth so it's a bizarre one there because you start to think of that right so so why and then you go right it's the well it's because of the the criminal element so well the criminal element is brought about by it being illegal so that doesn't you, that doesn't make sense i can understand you going well there's gangs and it's all horrible and it's dangerous that's because it's illegal. That's not why it's illegal. So you really, you can go for ages of trying to figure out what what the negative part of it is. And again, there's the, I always remember when I first started to get into experimenting with drugs and I, I've touched upon it a few times and people think I've got this cool wild past. I was the most boring drug user in the world because i did tons of research on every drug before i did it <laughs> that's the way you should do. it's the way it should be but still it's not I, I just want to just not paint any rock and roll image of me being oh yeah but i, I i'd read up a lot on um and it was interesting when i mentioned uh timothy leary to howard marks it was interesting howard was like nah nah fuck that guy because he, he didn't he i don't know he he grasped or something but it was it was it was interesting reading him and him being the first one where I'd thought of the fact that he was saying, people think that you're saying legalised drugs and therefore everyone can have it at any point or whenever they want. There's a million different approaches that could be taken to it. Decriminalisation even. People, again, I didn't really understand what that was. And then you realise it's like speeding and things like that, that it's not allowed, but you don't just go to prison for it. There's fines, there's points, there's penalties. And, and one of the things that Tim Leary originally put it like was, thinking of illegal drugs and he was more about um about lsd and the positive effects of 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 of, of hallucinogenic drugs and mind-altering drugs but still he was saying if 
you can think of it like a car. You need to pass a test first and get a license and you need to you know all sorts of different things so it's not just a case of oh you just go to a shop and buy it and that's that again as you've touched upon no one is really saying everyone should do all drugs because they're not for everyone and they're not right but i don't think everyone should drink alcohol and i don't think everyone should i don't think anyone should smoke but you know and this is the thing we know that laws don't impact people's use no we have so many reports that report this especially one recently came out last year called the international comparators report Mm -hmm. which the home office didn't like they did try to suppress it but because the lib dems were in coalition the lib dems managed to get it through yeah and they found through looking at all parts of the globe that um the harshness of a country's laws does not impact use and we've seen that also with portugal and other places that uh, and also independent so let's talk a little a little bit like that about that and now about the the different drug policies around the world sure. and the changes that have come about? Because I know you're more knowledgeable on that probably than I am in that Well, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say so, but I don't yeah. know. A lot of it is just, again, I, I'm interested in, in the presentation side of drug policy because, again, I don't think that people have been subject to, not marketing, because it's almost like a, um, a bit of a, a word that it's got some dirty stigma to it, but... Yeah. I like getting that message across that the average person that don't understand. So the, the academic side of things, I completely defer to people like Transform, who are just fantastic, yeah. you know, real academic prowess. And what you see with, with trends across the world is decriminalisation pretty much started in Portugal yeah. in, in 2001. And the success, because they had such a heroin problem, that, and it goes with the sociological factors. If, if, a, if, a, if a society's suffering, then the chances are they're going to find hooks to ease their suffering. Yeah, yeah. And heroin was, was what Portugal decided to, to indulge in. And through when they realised that giving people criminal sanctions against their use wasn't working, was actually making problems worse, yeah. they decided, and the police chief at the time was very much against this, as, as you probably would imagine, because most police would think that there's this you know, logic in preventing harm through having a barrier of, of deterrent. And then when the when the decriminalisation came into effect and, and it started playing out, they realised that people were um, looking at this more holistically, realising that if you've got a drug problem, you need to look at why, you know, the emotional problems that go with it, yeah. the, what's gone wrong or right in your life. As, as Dr Gabin Matei says in The Culture High, one of the first questions he asks his patient is, what did the drug do for you? you know, what's the positive yeah. effects? Because if you were getting positive effects of masking your pain, if you were getting inspiration and an artistic license from it then that's a good thing so how can we put steps in to make sure that we can continue that to give you those positives and, and not reduction. And, and remove the negative exactly yeah. so portugal decriminalized and they had massive successes then we had some uh, medical marijuana and they decriminalized across all the board didn't they all drugs which again most people will go that's crazy but just from hearing people like dr carl hart and people like that talk about about heroin and about um, crack and about cocaine and meth and things like that, which, again, are drugs that I personally would not try. But hearing that they've been so inaccurately portrayed is amazing. And and seeing a country like Portugal going, right, let's just go across the board and go, all of these are now decriminalised. Are we suddenly going to turn into a country of, of, of raving maniacs? It's like, no, no, they haven't. It's, as you've said, there's been... Sh- provable improvements and if, if, if anybody's cynical about that just look around your peer group look at your family look at your friends if drug laws weren't in existence and we decided that we weren't going to have a decriminalization or regulation 
the people around you, are they going to take more or less drugs? Mm. Chances are it's going to stay the same yeah. because this, the investments that you make in the decision process are going to be the same, whatever the laws are. Yeah. And and we found that with Portugal and then with other decriminalisation models that have taken place, especially in, in like Netherlands with decriminalised, essentially or depenalised uh, cannabis, yeah. they've got a very low level of cannabis use, especially amongst teens, compared to what our country is. Our country's... Yeah. It's it's plateaued now. We have had a we are we have gone down, but that's because of a lot of different factors like legal highs crept in, so the numbers got displaced. Yeah. Also, uh, teenagers now do seem to be a little bit more sort of health conscious. You know, we've yeah. in the, in the last few years we've had more of a health kit. We're going to the gym, and and that's be, become the sort of almost like the the legal high in the sense of yeah, not, yeah, not yeah. the uh, you know the, the new psychoactive substance, but the yeah. legal high is in people uh, taking charge of their own lives more, which is again a very good beneficial thing. But the laws have not contributed to that. We no, need to get no. that and, and it's, it's it's crazy the way we think of, of of Holland. It's crazy to think that at any point in recent years we have had a higher teen a teen cannabis usage rate than Holland because Holland is seen as that's the drug place. Yeah, that's that's where everyone goes for drug. But again, I I I, I lived briefly in Amsterdam. Oh, I tried to live in Amsterdam. I literally lasted a few weeks or a month or something. But um, doing that instantly made you see it's. The British that are out there yeah. going mental, it's not the Dutch, it's not those who have are, are surrounded by this. And that's one of the things I found I find fascinating, and we touched upon this when, when Howard was on, was the fact is I know people um, I've who, 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 who have gone through their lives 40, 50-odd years and never smoked any weed and then, then, then gone to Amsterdam and gone, oh, it's legal here, I'd, I'd like to try that. And that's mind blowing, and it's made me question a lot of laws. Some positive and some negative. I'm close to losing my license at the moment because I don't agree with all of our speed uh, limits. But, but that's probably an argument for another time. <laughs> Very briefly, I'm not saying that we should all be able to drive faster. I'm just saying it's a similar thing. We've had all these rules in place for a long time, and I haven't seen anyone accurately re- reassess them and say, right, on a three lane motorway in the middle of the night at 50 miles an hour and certain areas, you know, that might not be necessary. But again, that's that's another story. But the fact is, if that member of my family or people I know who went out there and went, oh, it's legal here, I'll try that. If they went to a country uh, uh, like some of the horrific small areas in Africa and things like that where rape is legal or, or, or the rape of, there was a, a certain point where rape, of of homosexual people is le- correctional rape is legal um, and things like that which is hideous if we went there we wouldn't go oh I'll give that a try because <laughs> yeah. it's something that we're morally against whereas a, a weed and drugs most drugs again if you're educated on them we don't tend to be morally against it might not be for us and that's fine but we're not m- m- morally against it yet it's a law that we allow to put hundreds of thousands of people in prison and have their lives absolutely ruined and this is where um, we differentiate because most people, the, one of the arguments you come up against in drug law reform is people saying, well, it's illegal, you know, that, that's it. They've got this closed mind because it's illegal. That's yeah. it. Slap the banner on it. It's terrible. And it's the same with, um, and then they quite, quite often you do get the straw man argument pop up of, well, murder's illegal, rape's illegal, therefore should we legalise that? And again, it's just one of those that you have to take a sigh because, you know, it comes our way a fair bit. Yeah. But we, we can differentiate. We know that, Marla Insay, which is like the you know the geeky technical term, and I only learnt this from a from a chief constable called Tom Lloyd, who's a close friend now. Yeah. Um, Marla Insay is um, 
what we call an evil in itself. So murder, rape, it's inherently immoral, therefore it's illegal. Right, yeah. No questions asked. Then we have mala prohibitum, which is a state-sanctioned law or a subscription law, which we believe that there's some benefits to having that legal, therefore that's fine. Yeah. Well, I think most people agree that mala prohibitum in that case should be debated. You know, yeah. it, it isn't completely written in stone on tablets. No, so therefore, yeah, it's something that sh- should be regularly reassessed exactly. or discussed and, and broken down in that way. And as, as you can see, drugs fall under mild prohibition. Yeah. So therefore, let's debate it. And if it's doing more harm than good, maybe we should do something about that. Yeah, completely. And one of the interesting things as well that was touched on early on in the documentary was the discussion of, of the term in general of addiction, because that's something that comes up a lot. And particularly with people who have no personal experience with drugs, it'll be that, yeah, but it's dangerous, it's addictive, you smoke one and you do this. And it was interesting because we had a big thing in the, in the UK of talk to Frank. Yes. And Frank was meant to be the really positive, young, hip thing. You look at them adverts now and they're hugely um, propaganda and real yeah. saying that you have, have one joint and you're this, this withered mess or you're this schizophrenic kind of all over the place thing, which were hugely inaccurate. And that was meant to be our, look, the police, everyone's scared of the police, but here's our... Uh, uh, safe ear um and it was just interesting seeing again the realization that addiction is such a weird and loose term you, you can become addicted to podcasts yeah. so to say we can't have weed because it's addictive a weed and most of these drugs aren't, aren't or a lot of the drugs aren't physically addictive and that's a big, big difference anything can be addictive if you've got an addictive personality anything can be addictive i said podcast is a good example because there's a lot of people at the moment who a year ago had never heard one and now are getting through seven, eight hours a week, if not more. Yeah. If a year ago you'd never sm- smoked weed, and now you're spending s- seven, eight hours a week smoking weed, people would say, he's addicted. It's like, oh, no, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. It's, it's kind of a, you know, a positive thing. And this is just, it's a very subjective term. You know, what yeah. is addiction? What is dependency? And it can be projected. You know, I could quite easily sit here and say that you've got an addiction with your phone, but I know that you're reading and you've got things on your phone. Yeah. But therefore, it's not my position to say that. I mean, I do also have an addiction with, with my phone. So, so there is yeah, that, but like yeah. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone has that, but, but they're not illegal. But again, it's, this, it's as lazy an argument as, as you're saying, oh, well, if that's illegal, then yeah. And, and and this is where you need a sophisticated position. This is where we should should hand over to the scientists like Susie Gage and Carl, uh, Carl Hart because they are the, and Professor like they're the ones that are paid to make the decisions on yeah. what addiction is and how we should address it. So therefore, we should probably listen. But what we're finding is the politicians just don't like what the specialists are saying. No. So therefore, are flying in the face of it, trying to come up with their own arbitrary evidence, and it's just a mess, an absolute yeah. mess. Well, one of the things I found. Are, are really interesting and there's other stuff else outside the document documentary i want to talk about um just briefly we've touched upon it but the our love and celebration of alcohol that you know if if something's gone well uh, let's toast it yeah. and it's generally an acceptable thing if if someone a uh, 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 wins on a tv there's there's champagne everywhere all these things where and one of the stats that came up with that there's i think this was in america but there's a fifty thousand deaths per year are from alcohol and and just that if, if it's a celebration it's alcohol if it's commiseration it's alcohol yeah. if you're happy if you're sad it's always the answer whereas there's no deaths from cannabis and again this isn't just a, a focus on that but one of the things i liked and i found really interesting which again it's i guess it's partly theorized but it kind of pointed out 
that the change in our relationship with the police can be traced back to the war on drugs starting because it was one of the first moments where, um, as you were saying, rather than laws that we see as morally... Or the fact is, if a law that we all see as morally logical, it's easy to, easy to enforce, yeah. a la murder, so on and so forth. Whereas laws that appear unreasonable are the ones that cause tension or appear that we're being told to do something just because... So it's just your parents saying, well, just because, that's just that's how it is, yeah. rather than it being something that we all agree with. That, that's when the police start to become the enemies. And I'm not saying that there was always a love of police, but I certainly have a personal attachment to the fact that my granddad was a policeman. And I remember as a kid, that was a hugely proud thing. And he was a, he was a great policeman. It was, a, it was a, a proud job to have. And I don't think that's the case anymore. I think there has been a huge turnaround. And that's partly because of... You know, in recent years, obviously, you can look at a police brutality and things like that. But again, I think these can be things that 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 feed each other. As you know, as soon as our our view and and attitude towards the police started to change, then, then their attitude is going to change, and it's this this self fulfilling prophecy essentially. We, we've got this term called police by consent, and it's yeah. a very simple explanation of what we do, and it's it's perfectly plausible that things that we inherently subscribe to we abide and things that we find questionable we're going to be quite dissenting voices yeah and you can you can draw comparisons from history with you know uh, gay rights you know of course now we look now and it's an awful thing that we what we try to do to yeah eradicate the idea of homosexuality it's just so crazy to us yeah. in this society now that we think that that was even remotely possible. and mind-blowing how recent it was and again i've, I've yeah, mentioned this yeah. before but one of the times i was really I struggled to get off the subject and struggled, struggled to talk when I had Tom Robinson on because he's an amazing, he's a sixth music DJ, uh, has been a musician for years. But when he was 16 or 17 or whatever age and realised he was gay, he always, not only did he have to deal with the, you know, the social stigma, it was illegal. Yeah. He had to deal with the fact that his feelings and emotions were illegal and that's mind-blowing. Yeah. But again, there are, are, are parallels. It's a similar kind of law where it's something that someone has decided that this is wrong, therefore it's enforced. And yeah, and and I've never been involved in the police, and I've I've got a very boring background for various reasons, so I never needed to know anything about laws because I just inherently abided by them. Yeah. But then as soon as I took a step into drug policy, and I, you do start to question a lot of things. Yeah. Um, and from there, I, I come into contact with an organisation called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition because yeah. of my own introduction into the into the drug war was just fairly simple, just blogging, writing. Yeah. Uh, and then the you know profile started to humbly build, and I've gotten a few programmes here and there. And and I realised that my voice carried for nothing. You know, it's worthless. So I always found if you wanted to get the message across, to find the right messenger. And I found LEAP in America, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and they're an organisation of judges, prosecutors, chief of police, uh, and the military that have all got individual sectors of the drug war that they've come across and been involved in and even fought. Yeah. And then realised, actually, no, this isn't working. Things yeah. are, We're making things a lot worse here. So they formed the organisation which now fights for control and regulation of all drugs. Yeah. And I realise that that's a pretty powerful voice. It's a hugely powerful voice. And, 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 and that's what excited me in the initial email. As I started to look into Leap UK, which I said is, is law enforcement against prohibition, I was thinking through most of the people that 
I have heard great arguments from. And the sad fact is, Joe Rogan, incredibly intelligent, sounds like a total stoner. Dr. Carl Hart, despite wonderful qualifications, sounds like the biggest hippie in the world. So the beauty was then like, right, but... So that becomes easy for those opposing it to say, ignore that guy, look how stoned that guy is, or look how... what a mess that guy is, regardless of the rationale and intelligence of their argument. Whereas, when you've got policemen and judges and people of, 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 of legal standing saying, no, no, this is wrong, this is inaccurate, I've seen this firsthand, I've seen the research, I've seen the papers, I've seen, I said directly, the effects, and this is, well, we've got this wrong. The law that I have dedicated my life to enforcing, I have to dedicate equal um, determination to making sure it's correct. If, if I'm going to enforce it as my life and my job, I need to make sure I'm enforcing the right thing. And I and I found that if you if you want to get a, the message of reform across to Middle England, you do need that that staunchly conservative voice, and the police probably inherently are that conservative yeah. voice. Yeah. And so when I got involved in Leaf, I just said, you know, I'll try and help out by building some kind of groundswell here, and and it it quickly took off. We had four members that were specific to the UK, which was two chief constables yeah. uh, retired. Um, a former um, drug advisor in the EU um, called Carol Edwards and Annie Michonne, who's an MI5 officer. Yeah. Um, through them, I just got chatting and realised that there are, there is a lot more support out there. It's just the the not the bravery isn't there because that's wrong. Because one of the accusations that get thrown at people that have been involved in the police that are still either on the sidelines of the drug war or not ready to get involved yet in yeah. reform. They get told they're cowards and, they, you know, how dare they do that. But you've got to remember these are people too that have had their own lives at threat by drug laws and drug barons. You know, these are the people that were locking up certain, you know, certain people at higher yeah. up the chain. So they're putting their necks on the line literally. Literally a necks on the line. And also you have to think about how, I mean, people struggle hugely to admit that the football team they've supported their whole life is kind of shit. You know, I mean, I support Millwall. We have our ups and downs. I still support them. But just trying to illustrate that often these are people who are having to come to terms with the fact that what they've dedicated a lot of their life to mm. was wrong and they've been part of the problem you know they can now do what they can to become part of the solution but you know that's a huge thing psychologically in itself and the best example i can give on that is is a, who's a close close friend now is is a guy called neil woods who i really want you to speak to at some point because yeah. um, I, i'll tell you more about him at some point but he, he was an undercover drugs detective for, yeah. I think, over a decade. Um, and, you know, again, why would he question what he was doing? He thought that drug laws, fighting the Mr Big, but he was never getting to Mr Big. He was always doing the domestic people, the ones that were involved in their own, you know, not squalor, because, again, it's a negative word that I don't want to push upon yeah. dependency, but the squalor of the existence of what the drug war can predicate. Yeah. Um, and also just how futile his efforts were at getting to the head of the head of the chain. Um, and now he, he eventually come out of the force with, um, again, post-traumatic stress disorder because of what he went through in the force. It's, as you can imagine, having another identity and fighting the drug war, yeah. that's going to take some psychological yeah, of damage. Of course, yeah, that's huge. Um, and now he, he reached out uh, through someone we know at Release, uh, which again, another organisation that I completely support and recommend people go and Google Release um, um, drug laws. 
And through release, we got in contact with Neil Woods, who said, you know, I'm a former undercover detective. Can we work together? And Neil is now the chairman of Leap UK. Brilliant. The biggest authority that you can imagine on all drugs, drug laws, intel. Mm. Um, And through our partnership, we're now going to be launching Leap UK officially in this country on Leap Day, which... A perfect marketing. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, we've yeah. waited four years consecutively to get this done. Yeah. Oh, well, sorry, we're doing it now. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be doing that on the 29th in Parliament. We've got a room sponsor for an MP. Yeah, perfect. Um, because, again, it, you, you'd be surprised how many MPs support this. They yeah. really do. You get them off the record, there's a lot of support, especially well, it's, the laws. Again, it's the crazy ironies of we're now, what, three presidents in a row that admit that they've yeah. smoked weed and enjoyed weed, yet then still continue to hold these laws that put people in prison for doing something that they've done. And let's not forget the Prime Ministers. Yeah, because and the Prime Ministers the as well, of course. He's got some uh, yeah. past that he certainly likes to try and uh, eradicate. Yeah. We uh, we know that the, what happened there. Yeah, but again, it's a bizarre thing. But, that, I mean, again, that, that is exciting and, and, and fascinating, and I definitely feel... Um, for everyone that's enjoying this conversation, I definitely want to do more with anyone you can recommend a leap and be, um, cause again, I've said before that, that one of the podcasts that got me started on this was, was Joe Rogan's yeah. and I've been on there myself and, and listened to a lot of episodes. And I think it's exciting that we've got this, this medium that can get a message out to, I mean, obviously I've not got half the audience he's got. He gets millions and millions every week now, but Still, it's these these places where you can give the voice, and it doesn't have to be. Channel Four may do a documentary on something like this, but there will still be someone saying, "Right, let's cut that out because because that's going a bit too far." Let's in podcasting there isn't that you can just have a discussion. If I disagree with something, then we can have a discussion about that, but it won't be cut out because it's against my thoughts or beliefs. So yeah, it's this, definitely this is why I'm passionate about what people like you do. Um, because I, I class myself as coming from like whatever you want to term it, new media. The, or you, I mean, you've written for the Huffington Post for, or since it's 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 UK yeah. a leg launch basically, didn't it? And that's again, that's the Huffington Post and 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 Vice and people like that have also been hugely important as new media and new yeah. and new ways of getting s- stories out there. And, you and know, my favourite place of writing is Virgin. I, yeah, I, I've, I've written quite a lot for Virgin, and the reason I love writing for Virgin is because it's a voice that people don't associate with drug law reform. Yeah. They think Virgin is this big galactic empire almost. Um, again, that sounds negative. But, oh, no, it's, it is interesting because it goes, it falls under the kind of, not kind of 80s, a yuppie, but was was very much one of them companies that came up as a, we're going to make a lot of money. You know, it's good to be, it's good to strive, it's good to be rich. It's positive. And all this, positive. but they've actually also, yeah, it's kind of hidden that from the record label side to everything else, they've also had a lot of, of positive um, outlooks and, 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 and beliefs in there, I guess. And, and having worked with the Bransons on a couple of occasions now, they are genuinely, and I'm not just saying this because I've got to or anything, they are genuinely... Massive stoners. No, I'm kidding. I just made that I've never met them, but that would have been a lovely end of the sentence. <laughs> oh, if I was brave enough to do that. <laughs> but that's so, so nice. And yeah. they genuinely have got the best interests of society at heart and mm. not any any kind of philanthropic, do good a kind of way just in a simple i've never met a billionaire before but he's the most down-to-earth billionaire i could yeah. possibly ever yeah. think it could exist because he's just so willing to help people he was an interesting one to, to pop up in the documentary because again you see some for some reason because most billionaires that we're aware of 
are the villains in our day-to-day narratives really with the murdochs and just yeah. all sorts of other people uh, like that yeah ex- ex- exactly there there are these kind of evil it was it was interesting to see one pop up that again is speaking in terms that are kind of against current government rulings current law and things like that which again is unusual because you kind of think as the billionaires of of being protected by the or the billionaires and the government all being in in cahoots and protecting each other and so on and so forth so and sam branson i can't hail enough as well because his film breaking to the taboo which is also on netflix i recommend to anyone and the reason i love breaking taboo is because it's so short it's about 45 minutes um whereas the culture high is two hours so you know the culture high involves some investment whereas the to break into boo, you can just put on, and it gives you such an accurate summary of the drug war. Yeah, so if you've got a the, Sunday night, stick that. I on. mean, that's perfect because the culture high is. I, I, I really enjoyed it, but I did also think this is ideal for stoners <laughs> because it's about drugs and it's long, and and that's the perfect combination because it's it, it it's that focus. But yeah, as you said, there it is it is two hours, so there will be s- s- some people, particularly with our, our our lack of attention span these days. I will struggle with that. So Into the Taboo sounds breaking, great one. Yeah, or, breaking, or breaking the Taboo, the taboo sorry. Like I said, it's so succinct that if you've got to... And that's and again, what I was saying originally about new media and what you do, yeah. people need to get involved now. We, we've we've pushed the ball on drug policy to such a degree. We've got all the evidence. Yeah, obviously, evidence is ongoing, so it's, it's never going to be capped. Yeah. But the fact that we need now to have the conversations, we need everybody that's got an interest in this subject to get involved, get involved in the support groups, get involved in Transform Release, Elite UK get involved and listen to podcasts like this and also spread it around. Watch films with your family. Don't just watch them yourself, but yeah. actually have a film night. And yeah. that's what we need now. We, we've got to the point where we need the social movement. I mean, that's uh, it's the perfect name, uh, uh, really, there in, in Breaking the Taboo, which isn't one I've watched yet, so I, you know, I can't s- speak on it other than it's perfect in that it's exactly that. It shouldn't just be... It's easy for everyone who is pro-drugs to watch all of these documentaries and all be in agreement with all of us in our nice little circle and, b- and bubble. But that's not actually going to make any changes. The The point is is presenting this to people who don't necessarily have that belief to your parents or or family or whoever else and go, look, this is kind of interesting. This. And that's where I feel lucky in the projects that I work with. Culture High did manage to get outside the usual circle because it, it had a brief flirt with the Oscars. We got into the long list. It's long listed in the Oscars. But again, that, you know, that kind of got a big exposure. Then Elite UK, obviously the voice of the police. This is a, a voice that you can market quite easy to people who aren't involved yeah. in the conversation. And then also for the writing outlets like the Huffington Post Virgin, there's a, there's a new site called Vaultface that I'm writing for now, mm-hmm. vaultface.me. Um, where we're going to be very much aiming at people that aren't involved in the discussion. You know, try and get the uh, all the hooks that that get people involved. Because if you see a post come up on Facebook, goes, you know, drug laws do this, drug laws do that. Most people scroll through it. Yeah. So you need different ways of marketing it. So people go, all right, I'm going to take an interest in this now. Finally. Yeah. And a lot of projects in any kind of philanthropic sector can preach to the converted. Uh, and we need to get outside of that now, and that's why we need people to get involved and start having the conversations. Exactly, I, I completely agree. And it's it's so as 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 you, you said, there's there's now a huge market in the um, in 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 the in the stoner scene, in the stoner world, or or whatever, of everyone agreeing and sharing. I mean, I love Eddie Bravo, but man, he's he's the ultimate cliche stoner because there will also be a million conspiracy theories yeah, that are going around and all these kind of things. And that's great, but it's not necessarily progressing the 
the movement or any change and things like this as said people who uh, it's it's one of the reasons i'm i was excited to talk to you because it's going to be the third or fourth podcast now where we're discussing this kind of thing and i don't smoke weed so it's kind of that's what i kind of find exciting of of, you can't just accuse me of just being another i'm trying to get it it legal for my own good or get the message out for my own good it's purely because you hear all of these stats and facts and particularly with people like the daily mail who 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 went against the culture high i believe i mean we can can go into that a bit there's such hatchet jobs done in mass media that it's the responsibility of the more the smaller or free media to go no look here's here's some facts here's some statistics and let's have this discussion more openly and honestly and that's one of the main things that's holding the discussion back now is things like the daily mail uh, because they still unfortunately do wield a lot of power yeah yeah they 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 are just blanket media and well they're now the biggest news outlet in in the world aren't they it's just their website i believe is the biggest hits in globally yeah so globally and again they've they've been clever with that and they've kind of i don't want to put put words in your mouth but from the sounds of it, they're kind of influencing the approach that 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 are you and a lot of people you're working with are having to to, to go down because it's trying to preach, it's trying to catch the attention of not just so as you said, if you just see tr- drug laws reform, blah blah, you you'll scroll past. The thing that the Daily Mail have got their hits up with is putting headlines that people who agree with it will not scroll past and people who disagree with it will not scroll past therefore they're getting everyone it's the it's the x factor theory of x factor is the biggest show or has been one of the biggest shows for years because people will either tweet about it loving it or tweet about it hating it they will still be watching it and they will still be making it trend and i can't get mad at x factor for that because it's like that's genius in in general like, like most programs or dramas if you don't like it you don't watch it if you do like it you watch it things like that and Again, sadly, I'm giving props here to the Daily Mail, but sadly, people will post that I'm sure it's pretty much a 50-50 split, if that, of left people who post Daily Mail articles in rage and right people who post Daily Mail articles in, in, in praise. There is what I like to call now we need click responsibility. Yeah. Because what I've found in, because I have to do quite a lot of media monitoring, is that you, you're absolutely right. Most people are, that are vehemently opposed to an article will do the posting. Yeah. People that are just generally like, oh, yeah, whatever, they just won't bother. Yeah. So the Daily Mail are scooping hits, and by that they're getting the ad revenue yeah. on, you know, the example using the culture high is um, just one joint causes schizophrenia. That's that's kind of like their, their banner article. They, they're they quite renowned now for their just one, and yeah. then yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. harm here. Yeah. Um, and we do draw that as the example on the culture high one, because it's such a brilliant example, but two, because it actually won an award. A, a Oxford neuroscientist um, created this thing called the um, Orwellian Prize for Journalistic Misinterpretation, right. which is if, you, if, a, if a, a news outlet puts out such a bullshit article, they will get pulled up on it. And the Daily Mail were pulled up on it because yeah. just one joint, turns out it wasn't remotely true. It was, no, I think there was about not. 17 fatal errors. Yeah. So they are award-winning for their bad journalism. But the thing is, is they don't get taken to the the, uh, the ombudsman of, of the press complaints regulator, no. uh, which was the, uh, oh, I can't remember what it was now, but it's, I think it's the IPCC now, isn't it? Um, because Paul Dacre, who's the the uh, editor of the Daily Mail, also runs that, 
That organisation, yeah. Which means that if there's any complaint happening, it gets referred to Paul Dacre. So is he going to uphold a complaint against his own newspaper? Possibly not. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's, it's just it's laughable that we got into this position. And it is true that the Daily Mail put out such rabid articles, and I don't want to just keep hammering away at the Daily Mail because, you know, they, they, it doesn't do your case any favours if you just pick against yeah. one news yeah, organisation. But they did go after the culture high. They the the day after the premiere in um, in London, we I can't remember how it came up. There was oh that was it. The the World Health Organization find the, the biggest damning evidence on cannabis yet, and it wasn't the World Health Organization at all. It was someone that used to advise for the World Health Organization right. put out his own um, paper on I think it was a, a review of literature. It didn't remotely find what they said it did anyway. Right, yeah. And then on the back of that story, which was front page, they decided to do a half-page spread on the culture high and how all these celebrities and all these names like... Um, I think they specifically picked up on Mike Trace, who uh, was the, what they call, drug czar, former deputy drug czar under yeah. Labour, specifically went after him because they've, they're tactical. They know the ways of kind of... Not doing the most damage, but of getting the most sort of jabs in, and of course, yeah. Mike Trace was was the easy candidate. And, and again, we we're hugely apologetic to Mike Trace, but I'd, I'd imagine he was completely aware that that was going to happen. Yeah, so I mean, again, if they tried to have a go at Rufus Hound, he's not really going to care. Or and yeah. you know, numerous other people listed there. You can't really say, oh, Howard Marks was on there yeah. supporting drugs. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to do any damage. But, so, but, but, but yeah, in so in, in many ways, they've they've picked as well. One of the most credible, yeah, which right, is the dangerous right, yeah. bit too, is the, is, the, is, the, is the damaging part. And the ironic thing is, is that they said, oh, in new film, they say um, cannabis is, isn't harmful, whilst using this front of praise spread of you know giving the counter argument. Mm. But the thing is, we didn't say harm less at all in in the culture high. We we, we tried to get the sort of objective terms of harm and, yeah. and a rational thought in there using the Daily Mail as the example. So then the Daily Mail come back at us. Yeah, yeah, it's childish. It, yeah. it really is childish. So the Daily Mail didn't like the film. Um, most other outlets didn't really give it much attention. They didn't really give much report on it. And I think so, and when you spend a significant portion of the film, because I think it's about 20 minutes going into how conventional media works with the Young Turks, giving a little bit of an insight yeah. of what happens there, um, the chances are you're not really going to be endearing yourself to no, extreme press. I mean, it was tough, and and, and Young Turks, it's, it's it's not as known over here, I don't think. But in America, it's it's getting bigger and bigger, and it's again, it's a it's an online news service, yeah. and they do some absolutely amazing and fantastic things. And but yeah, I can see how. I mean, they even spoke. I can't think who it was, but one who was a presenter who went over to one of the bigger news networks and then ended up leaving because he was like, no this isn't news anymore so it's kind of yeah i guess there's you're gonna struggle with that but thankfully obviously as soon as you get any oscar rumblings right that kind of brings a bit of attention to the yeah exactly and, and you know it was quite handy for me um locally because of the you know, local interest gets involved you know because i was the really the only uk person involved in the in the pre-production and post-production of the film yeah. most most of them are based in canada adam brett and Stephen, who are the who are the big driving force behind the film they they were all canada based so the fact there was a local boy that had this connection just yeah, did well great. but it also helps because you can get i want i still haven't done it yet because i've just been so busy but i want to do a cinema screening around here because yeah. again i want to get the community wrapped up 
the cinema where I want to screen it is directly opposite the police station. So I yeah. want to get that link involved with, yeah, with the leak great. speakers, get yeah. someone like Neil Woods, who I just spoke about, get him involved so that he can have a conversation with the police and, and just have the conversation. It doesn't have to be a debate because yeah. we, it was so built up now to have this shouting match over it. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, with economists for the Mail on Sunday, like Peter Hitchens, who I've met on numerous occasions, who I, I like as a person. Uh, I think Peter Hitchens is a genuinely polite, genuinely funny and engaging person. Yeah on drug policy is horrendous yeah. I've got I've got his book behind me signed um, and it's it's an interesting book I don't agree with any of it but it doesn't mean to say that I don't like him as a person and what the drug laws can do is just set up adversarial positions of it's yeah. me against you yeah. and it doesn't have to be that way we can just talk through this because the the conversation and and that's the problem and 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 that's where the fear lies it's that we need to readdress that initial reaction or perception of of, of illegal drugs because, yeah. as you said, it's exactly that. It's that instant. Well, no, it's it's this or it's that. It's like, well, no. Th- uh, let's have a discussion. Imagine, imagine we've just found marijuana. Yeah. Let's now have that discussion rather than it's illegal. I want it legal. I want it illegal. Kind of thing. You know, it's, it's adjusting that view. So, so, so exactly as you said, it's not. It's not an argument. It's not a, a this is this and this is that. Yeah, there's kind of there needs to be that. Let's have a look at it, completely unbiased. Yeah. And again, even on both sides, one of the things I liked about the culture high was it did keep it quite. It kept a it kept a level temperament. It didn't go crazy left or crazy like as you said. It didn't purport or or, or report marijuana to be this wonderful, the best thing in the world. It said, look, here's here's some benefits here's some uh, let's have a look at what the supposed negatives are and kind of and discuss it and it's about getting things in rational terms yeah uh, and there's another film that um that i absolutely love called the house i live in yeah um, which i think is on netflix still it was uh, and this goes into the american penal system which yeah. so it's very very hard yeah uh, and so engaging it tells stories of people that got caught up in the penal system because they used meth and then decided to start selling meth to fund their own habit and then of course their life just broke down because they got put in the in the jaws of the criminal justice system yeah so that takes a very specific look at what goes on just as the same as breaking taboo takes a broad overview of the war on drugs and the country i mean it's it's quite a simple thing when looking at again the choice of 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 imprisonment over any help or assistance as a solution to drug problem I can't think there's going to be many examples in the whole history of people smoking marijuana where that drug has done more damage to someone's life than the complete change of your life that going to prison can and often does cause. You know, what can do, how can any drug do more damage than your life has changed now because you've now got a criminal record or you've now had this experience of being in prison for X amount of time and. We put drug laws in place because we think that they're a barrier to people obtaining the drugs in the first place. Yeah. So if that falls down, then we go, all right, let's look at get to the next stage. Does imprisoning people work? It deterrent? It doesn't. We know it doesn't. Yeah. It just makes people's lives worse. If you haven't got a drug problem, then going to prison isn't going to help. If you've got a drug problem, going to prison isn't going to help. Yeah. And Johan Hari's book, Chasing the Scream, is the best example of chasing that line, because it's called Chasing the Scream, yeah. of chasing that line of what goes on in um, from on the foot 
in the in a, in society, what it goes on in people taking drugs to what it happens right right up to the other end of the scale in production. Yeah. And every single stage along the way is is drug laws working? Are drug laws working? Is that working? Yeah. And no phase is it. it no. we've, if you can have a success, a metric of success on one of those um, trajectories then great but we haven't every single line is flawed yeah it's 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 the it's the bizarre refusal to just question and analyze these things each year each or not each year that's too much but on on a regular basis and going rather than it's just the law going so why is it and as you said is it working and and sadly isn't i mean let's wrap things up now but how can people um Leap UK is hugely exciting. So how can people get more information on that or support or do what they can? So if you go to ukleap.org, that's mm. where you'll find uh, that, and you can you can donate if you like. Uh, we're also going to do a subscription fairly soon where I'm going to give you a badge in a minute, a Leap Excellent. badge, uh, where you can get one of those. Um, and look out for us because we're going to be launching on the 29th of February in the House of Commons. Hopefully we'll make a bit of a, a fair affair. Yeah. And we're also aiming, and I think it's got confirmation that we're going to do a little bit of an after event in Tottenham Court Road, um, which, of course, definitely invited to. Yeah, yeah. Um, What we want to do, again, is do like a hair-down acoustic set of drug policy. So you do the kind of standardised formal suit presentation, but the thing I find engages people is that that behind the scenes of you know let's let let's let's just disrobe and just get it all mm. out in the open that's what gets people involved and that's what we're trying to do in the after event is just yeah. to have that that conversation again so look out for leap uh, have a have a watch at the culture hide breaking taboo house i live in but have a film night get people round yeah. watch the films with your family especially if you've got a mum that's just completely dead against all drugs sit her down and have a watch because that's what people yeah. have done they've got people through the doors at cinemas and gone Right, now face the demons and, and they see what it, the yeah. demons of the drug war look like. Yeah. So just, again, just in any way you can do of having the conversations and getting involved in supporting organisations like Leap UK, Transform Drug Policy Foundation and Release Drugs. Um, and also look out for events like the United Patients Alliance who are a group of medicinal users, users with MS and Crohn's and ME that go around the country giving... Uh, physical testimony to audiences of how cannabis helps them and, and how their criminalisation is very much not helping them. Yeah. Uh, so just look out for all these drug war events and, and and just follow, just get involved, please. That's perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to my badge. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks a lot. I mean, did I not tell you that regardless of whether or not you've heard of this dude, you would enjoy this podcast? What a great conversation. I really enjoyed that. Um, hugely informative. I really enjoyed... I'm, I'm glad the professionalism of my podcasting game pushed me to get that film watched because it was an amazing watch and a great... I'm glad I did. And yeah... What a great conversation, and I hope to get m- more people from Leap on in future ups. Oh, God, I'm hiccuping and burping today. I'm sorry. It's kind of a hiccupy thing. I don't know what's going on. Um, I should just, just re-record the outro, but I'm a non-linear maverick. So, yeah, great guy. I love Jason Reed. If you enjoyed this one, I recommend you check out the one we mentioned numerous times with um, 
Dr. Susie Gage. That was fantastic. And keep an eye out for her podcast on its way. She's meant to be doing a podcast, I think was due to launch in February. So it should be on its way soon called um, Say Why to Drugs. And it's going to be an unbiased analysis of different drugs. I believe the plan was to pick a drug each week and give an unbiased Here's what here's what this drug is. Here's what's going down, which I think would be hugely important and a wonderful podcast. So keep an eye out for that. I also recommend you check out the podcast with Howard Marks because um, it's fascinating and he's he's an absolute dude. Um, and yeah, any others you want to check out? Obviously, you're more than welcome to. But that's my lot for now. We will be back next week with more podcasts for your tastes. And uh, until then, just try and just try and be good, man. Just try and be good. Thank you for tuning in, guys. I'm Scroobius Pip. I'm out of here.